Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio. This is your host, uh, Jim Ventura. Hope everyone is having a good day. Uh, if you're, it's your first time tuning in to the radio show, uh, you're welcome to join me in the chat room as well. Uh, any questions or comments, feel free to throw in there as we progress through the show. Uh, I'm going to read my monthly column. Uh, I write a monthly blog uh, column called Snake Oil. And uh, if you're not already receiving that, you can certainly uh, email me at uh, Ventura, S is in Sam, A is in Apple, G is in Guy at Yahoo.com or at VenturaWords at Mac.com. And I will add you to my mailing list. It's free to get the, uh, the monthly column. So anyway, I always like to start off the show by reading my column, and then I will talk about it for a little bit. I'm going to give a live uh, call-in number. As well, if you want to call in and uh, ask a question or comment um, or give me your own personal perspective on what you're going through in relation to uh, my story, you're welcome to. Or even if you want to get a little couple of minute, five minute free little mini uh, reading as well, since I am an oracle reader uh, with astrology and numerology and tarot and runes and such things, you can ask about that as well too, although I will have to keep the... You know, this little reading is down to just about five minutes. It's only a 45-minute show, but I would love the calls. I'll give that number out once I finish reading the column. So, okay, uh, again, I read a monthly column called Snake Oil, and this month uh, took a little time to piece together, but uh, I finally got it in print, and it's basically called Snake Oil, What If Life Were Easy? Late August was an incredibly busy time for me. I was working extra hours at my job and juggling what seemed like a million other details of life when a car accident was added to the mix. I was driving to work for my 12-hour Friday double shift when an oblivious woman sipping a coffee and talking on her cell phone blew through her stop sign and hit the right front end of my Chevy Cavalier. I wanted to be angry with her for her obvious stupidity, but she mangled her own car as well and was extremely apologetic. My irritation with her dissipated as she cried and told me repeatedly how genuinely sorry she was. Thankfully, neither of us were physically hurt. It was clear to me that both cars would not be repairable. While I waited for the police officer to show up in the hot Arizona sun, my mind raced with worry. How would I find the time to get another car? My car was almost eight years old, blue book value was not very high, and I ended up with another loan and debt to pay. I took the job I was heading to that day to decrease my debt, not be adding to it. I would have to deal with endless phone calls back and forth with insurance companies. I had no idea what car I even wanted to get. My long-range plan was to buy a hybrid car in three or four more years. I wasn't ready to put that kind of money out right now. How would I find the time and energy for all of this? Amidst all the internal fear and panic I was going through while waiting for the towing company to tow my car, I heard a clear, calm, internal message that said, Jim, 
there is no need to worry. Everything will work out fine, and you'll benefit from all of this. I decided I would listen to this other point of view, wherever it was coming from. It was certainly an optimistic perspective, and the exact opposite of what my fears were telling me. I walked to my job and still worked my 12-hour day. I had a hard time sleeping that night because there was still some leftover anxiety about the whole experience. Another part of me was clear and strangely confident. Somehow, everything would work out really well. I knew however, however illogical it seemed that I needed to trust this. The next morning, I received a call from the insurance company of the woman who hit me. They told me that I would not need to go through my own insurance company because they would be paying on this claim. They would need a couple of days to evaluate the damage and would be able to cut me a check in a few days. They had a rental car waiting for me and would send me a driver over from Enterprise Rental to set me up. It sounded far too easy, so I called my own insurance company and asked them if I should take her insurance company's offer. They told me it would be wise to do so. I was given a comfortable car for the week at a very good price in case they needed to keep it longer than the insurance company would pay on it. I was planning a Vegas trip with a friend a week after my accident. We were going to rent a car for this trip, so this was provided for us. I'm very happy with the last two cars I've owned that were both Chevys, but a friend suggested I check out Toyotas. Something felt right about this suggestion, so I went to see what they were offering in used cars. The nice young man who showed me cars that day did not try to hard sell me. He was pleasant and did his best to help me stay within my budget. I ended up test driving a used Prius. This hybrid car would cut my monthly gas costs in half. I love the car. I was able to bargain it down. Uh, I bargained the price down to almost $1,700 less than the sticker. I've never been able to do this type of thing before, bargain things down. So I felt like I accomplished something powerful in addition to getting a great car. I had only to put a little over $1,000 down and finance the rest at a reasonable rate. I was also able to use some of the extra insurance money to pay down some of my credit cards to keep extra padding in my checking accounts. My recently deceased father would have beamed with pride had he been able to see me do this. I think in some ways he was there in spirit and contributed in his own way to things moving so harmoniously. During the entire two-week process, I would sometimes have nagging doubts about how easy everything was proceeding. The last few years of my life, I had some extra challenges. I'd gotten used to struggling. In addition, I began to think about how I was taught by my mother that you often had to fight for the things you wanted in life. Well, my mother was an excellent teacher when it came to helping make me a stronger person. Her Aries German temperament made her perceive things often as a battle. She was born in the mid-30s when things were far more difficult, so it made sense that she believed this. I also began to think about how when I was younger and even up until around the age I was 25, things often kind of came easily to me. My friends and some family members would often comment with a hint of jealous irritability that Jim always seemed to luck out. I was often in the right place at the right time, found great jobs, great friends, found money, and had a number of talents and skills that came fairly easily to me. I lost a lot of this lucky magic in my mid-twenties. I could see that this car accident served a greater purpose. I was getting a new vehicle and a new perspective. I was reconnecting with a beneficial lost aspect of myself that had almost disappeared. A few, a few days after I got my Prius, the engine light came on. The check engine light came on. <laughs> I brought the car back to the dealership. They told me that my catalytic converter was shot. 
it took a little diplomatic bargaining to talk down the dealership's original offer of only paying half of the cost to repair it, but it pulled off easily. I chose not to go into battle about the situation. I trusted it would turn out favorably for me. I ended up paying nothing for a $1,400 part. I was lucky that it went out a few days after I bought the car. A few months down the line, I would have to have had to pay for it. Good things were consistently happening in a number of areas. The only problems I experienced was overcoming a mild phobia when driving. Who was going to bolt to a stop sign next and hit this car? I knew this was highly improbable. There was also an obnoxious mob-like credit card hike of my interest rate to 29.9% by a card I had the highest balance of my debt on, Citibank. I had flawless credit history with them and all of my credit cards. I couldn't figure out what their justification was for doing this. I could easily let my anger at this credit card company topple the new solid foundation of ease and flow I was currently building. It took some effort to keep my thoughts positive, but I knew there was an opportunity in this apparent dilemma and that it would eventually be resolved if I didn't let this pull me back into a previous negative perspective. There was a solution to this as well, even though I couldn't see it yet. There are occasional times in life when things are really difficult and sometimes we have to do battle to get our needs met. I'm glad that my mother taught me how to fight for what I believe is right. She truly helped make me and my siblings stronger. But now I've come back home to an even more comfortable place. I brought back a part of my psyche, an element of my personal reality that I unfortunately had left long ago behind me. I got caught up in the belief that life is a difficult experience where you often have to battle to get justice. I proudly clung to this perspective for quite some time. I focused heavily on this belief, and it is no wonder that it was reflected back to me in my physical reality. It feels more natural for me to be one of those people that things come easy to. I like being back in the position of choosing effortlessness as opposed to struggle. When we fuel our beliefs and intentions with the idea of ease and harmony, we empower our higher self and the universe to assist us with creating this. Then we can receive assistance with the details of life that enable us to solve all of our problems. Now, I'm back on my comfortable raft, floating down this river of life instead of constantly putting energy into a needless fight against the stream. Okay, so that was my column. And, you know, I had talked to a number of my clients. Uh, You know, I do personal one-on-one, you know, spiritual counseling sessions with people. Uh, you know, here in uh, my home in Phoenix and also with actually people all over the country because they do the sessions by phone as well. And, you know, a number of people had kind of heard about what was going on and I was talking about it along the way. So really it was a nice thing that I finally got this kind of in print in that sense and was able to um, really, you know, express this to a number of, of other people. You know, right now uh, there's about 700, 800 people getting my uh, monthly column. So, I really wanted to share this idea, and it is a bit about what I would like to talk about today. Um, I do want to throw the call-in number out if anybody is um, catching the show live uh, and they would like to call in. Uh, that number is 646-200-3966 if you've got a question or a comment. Again, that guest call-in number is uh, 646-200-3966, and we can talk for about five minutes or so on air. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're not and you're catching the show on archive, obviously you're not going to be able to call in, but you can still catch the gist of uh, of what we're going to talk about today. 
So anyway, um, yeah, very interesting experience, this car accident. You know, there were a lot of other details, of course, that I didn't get into when I wrote the piece. Um, you know, one thing I want to say is I was really, really impressed by a number of, of different, uh, you know, contributors to the situation. One, my insurance company um, was excellent. Um, uh, uh, Allstate uh, was really, really good about how they handled it. I got a number of calls from them, you know, reminding me that if I had any, uh, you know, physical issues come up, they would cover that to feel even within the next year. Uh, and uh, the insurance company that uh, ended up paying out, her insurance company hit me, was uh, progressive. Um, and they, you know, they were really efficient and, and organized. And, uh, you know, they gave me a reasonable payout, which was really, really nice. And Enterprise Rent-A-Car uh, was uh, really great. They, they did a nice job as well, too, at all ends. And then the uh, car salesman at uh, the Toyota dealership that I used here in uh, in uh, in uh, Phoenix on Camelback um, uh, w was great. The, the salesman was great. His name is Matt, and uh, he did a great job. So, of course, I'm throwing in little plugs for everybody <laughs> along the way for anybody who's local. I, but I would, you know, I would recommend all of these things because I was really, you know, truly pleased by, by the results and the way uh, this all kind of came down the pike. So, um, again, the only the other thing I mentioned about this in the column was a you know uh, Citibank uh, you know I think a lot of this has been on the news as well too uh, because they're changing some of the credit card laws. Some of the credit card companies are squeezing people before uh, you know the laws change for them as well. And Citibank obviously was one of these credit credit card companies that had decided to do this. Uh, it's a shame you know I, I've been with the that credit card. Uh, I've had this my first credit card that I got back in 1984 when I was like you know 19 years old, um, and uh, you know really really sad that they would do something like this. Uh, you know I mean, you know I, I have to think to myself, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, if someone was charging a 30% interest rate, I mean that was like kind of a racketeering criminal type deal. If so, I think people could go to jail for doing stuff like that. So it's fascinating to me that it's legal. Uh, to do something like that, especially in the case when you're even dealing with it as being an unprovoked issue with someone who never is late, someone who pays their bills on time, someone that they're making plenty of money from to begin with. So, I mean, this was interesting because I had all these, these really good things going on and everything was so harmonious and there was this huge obstacle that kind of came up along the way. And I, and I really thought about it. I thought to myself, you know, I'm not going to... Um, to uh, let myself get thrown into being upset by this in that sense. Uh, and uh, I, I, I've been pretty good about it. I've, I've made some decisions about what I'm going to do about it. And uh, you know, I'll probably talk about that in, a, in future columns and future shows. But the, the bottom line is I'm not letting this um, throw my, um, me out of my, my balance, out of my center of harmony in that sense. So things have still been uh, positive. And you know, I think... you know. It, one of the things I brought up in this piece, and I think this applies to anybody really, really listening, you know, for the for the brunt of us, you know, 2008, I've mentioned this before in previous shows and in previous columns. I mean, anybody who um, thinks that 2008 and 2009 have been a song and dance and easy and delightful 
uh, <laughs> um, is living in a different reality in that sense, and I, I applaud them and pat them on the back. But you know, for most people, it has been difficult because even if you haven't been affected by you know difficult economic conditions um, directly, you know, indirectly, friends, family, people around are struggling and having difficulty, and you know, it, it's been a tough couple of years. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'm glad really to be to see this decade coming to an end. I think that um, you know, every decade you can kind of see somewhat of a theme to the to these decades in that sense. And uh, you know, I this decade, you know, I, I sadly have to call it the stupidity decade because I think that you know we kind of got dumber, bad uh, political leadership through the brunt of it. Um, you know, I think we have certainly some improvements now, but it's still some ways to go before things really, really improve. But I think, uh, you know, getting into a war and um, the housing market, you know, going to the roof in a way that was so ridiculous and, you know, uh, just the religious right, um, having the influence that it's had, oh, God almighty, you know what I mean? To me, just the most saddest uh, example of, of manipulation and, and kind of pulling us backwards but in a more optimistic way, I think that sometimes you have to step back or kind of embrace or look at a little darkness in order to move forward. So I think that that's the purpose of this decade as well, that, yeah, was it difficult, um, at least especially toward the end of it, and we're still at the tail end of that, although it seems to be signs of improvement coming. Um, I, I'm glad to see that there are improvements, but, yeah, there's still a little bit of a ways to go. But I think, you know, what I tapped into and what this car accident brought up for me was really, really the idea that, you know, one, I create my own reality, regardless of what's going on around me in that sense. And, you know, I, I do, I, I like to remind this of, of client, to our clients, to my clients that, you know, even when there's difficulty, you know, the difficulty tends to shape the way you view the future and also the way you view the past. Because we tend to be, you know, when we're depressed or we're sad or we have a difficult experience, often it really brings us into a, almost like we wear, when we, when we look at our past experiences and, and, and we look at where we're going in the future, when we're sad or depressed or unhappy or have a difficult experience, we tend to, when we look at the past, we tend to focus more on the difficult times and see more of those. Or we see the positive times and then we, we cry about how far away we seem to be from that. And then we also can project those type of fear elements into the future that the future is going to potentially suck as well. So, you know, there's been a lot of influences that can make people feel that way. But it's up to us as individuals to really tap into the part of us that is willing to, to whether we've had difficulty or not, to carve out a happy present and a joyful future. And I think when I looked at what was going on with this car accident, it really did get me back to remembering a way I had been through a big chunk of my life. I'm 44 now, and, you know, for probably the first 25 years or so, you know, you know a lot of things, again, really did kind of come easy to me. I was very, very lucky. I mean, I used to always find money. Um, I always had, I had no credit card debt up until about the age of 24, 25. I never did. I always paid you know, a month or two in advance. I always had money in my savings accounts. I always made a lot of money. I always, I always had little jobs, even when I was 12, 13, paper routes, and I always made money. I always had a knack 
for finding amazing friends and uh, and even when I started working, I would get these you know really cool jobs as well that with great people and you know not that everything was always perfect, but you know as a general rule, things kind of came easy to me um, so something changed in my mid twenties you know and i I can actually connect that with um, an experience um, and if anyone has read my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, here's my shameless plug. You can uh, you can find Dirty Little Secrets by Jim Ventura on Amazon.com and order it directly from them, or you could uh, go to my website and contact me, and I could send you a copy because I keep copies here in my home office. I can mail one out to you. Great book, by the way. Uh, and you know, uh, and I, I say that really honestly, it's it, it's a good book. I wish more people. Uh, would read it. I think it's you know it's funny, it's entertaining, it's enlightening. It, it really has a lot of uh, things that would benefit from people. But one of the things I talked about in my book was you know I had this criminal that I lived with, who was really a pretty I don't know he was pretty much a bad boy. And um, you know he ended up ripping off a lot of money from me. He put me in debt. He you know and I don't blame him um, anymore in that sense. You know I did at one time feel like it was all his fault that he did this to me, but. You know, I realized that it was, uh, you know, a karmic experience I needed to go through for my own growth. But what I realized more than anything else is his cynicism, his fear, his dark energy, it did, it it, it infused itself into my finances and a number of other areas. And I began to lose this part of me that was kind of a lucky guy because I was living with someone and, you know, somewhat intimate with someone who was um, very unlucky, who created his own lack of luck, by the way, as clearly as I ever saw somebody do. So something shifted, and I, I, I started to have a darker perspective um, that was difficult to um, let go of, and it was even when I started to go into debt. And I think that this is a good thing to talk about anyway, because, you know, a lot of people have debt. Um, I think my age bracket, you know, add or minus 10 years or so, for many of us, we we were caught in this trap of using you know, credit cards as a um, as a as a safety net. Um, you know, even uh, the other day, the and check engine light came on again in my car, and it's probably nothing because the car's running fantastic and fine. But um, I thought to myself, oh my God, what if this is something really, really bad? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I don't have much credit. Uh, I don't have much with credit card options anymore. I mean, what if I run across something bad? How am I going to survive? And I thought this is interesting because this is what brought me into overusing the credit cards in the first place was that fear of, you know, I'm going to use it as a backup, but then, um, you know, it, it, then well, I'll pay it off in a couple of months, but then you never pay it off. So I think many of us got caught up in that trap at this point, and now we're trying to disentangle ourselves from that, that, that obnoxious reality. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm optimistic about doing that and in the process of, of making that happen. And uh, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to a future without debt, um, which is my uh, my goal, and, uh, and then you know shifting over to being prosperous again. And again, tapping into this part of me that uh, always seemed to, even when it just comes to finances, I always seemed to have money. It was uh, always, uh, uh, I was always, um, I can't think of the right word for this, but I always had... Uh, enough skill and savvy to come up with ways to bring income to me. Uh, I, I wasn't born into a wealthy family by any means, definitely not. Uh, we weren't poor, but we were middle class, and you know there were seven kids in the family with my mom and dad, so we weren't rolling in money. 
so we didn't get much of an allowance or but I you know when I didn't have money rather than just accept the fact that I didn't have money I got creative about it and uh you know I rather than getting a paper route I'd get three paper routes and then pay some of the younger kids who weren't old enough to have paper routes to deliver some of the papers while keeping a percentage of the profit for myself and I would have carnivals and um and make money from those and I would sell uh I would sell um comic books that I made and I you know I came up with ways to make income and then as soon as I was 16 17 I got myself a busboy job and made money that way so I always I raked leaves I shoveled snow I lived in New York where there was snow at the time I shoveled so I always found a way that was so enterprising even as a child and I always had money and it was funny that that changed for me in that sense again at this time where it all began to shift and that you know I think when you're in a tremendous amount of debt and you're paying and paying and, and you know and you're knocking yourself out and you're getting nowhere it really uh you know it contributes to this kind of dark perception that we have and that's the reality of of what's going on a lot of people are experiencing that but you know what i really wanted to bring up and talk about in this column is you know certainly one we have to look at a couple of possibilities here yeah, not even possibilities, definite things here that are going on. Yeah, obviously, there are people that are thriving and doing well right now. No question about that. So the question is, in our own belief system, in our own psyche, what do we need to do to bring ourselves into that space as well of prosperity and abundance and uh, looking at a bright future ahead? You know, because we're being constantly fed with this doom and gloom scenarios, Um you know, 2012 is going to be, you know, a lot of people predict it's going to be the end of the world or the apocalypse or these, you know, climate changes and all these other dynamics that are going to come. And, you know, I've said this on previous shows, and I'll say it again. Guys, you know, excuse me, I'm uh, yawning here. I'm, uh, I'm 44 years old, and I have lived long enough in this life alone, not to mention multiple other lifetimes, um, that I do clearly remember in some ways. Um, I remember these endless end-of-the-world predictions. You know, and I would say the same thing. Everybody, get off this BS of the world coming to an end. We are going to have experiences and grow and learn, and if we destroy this world, we're going to have to create another one to uh, to finish our lessons and our experiences on. So, you know, stop wasting energy on this end-of-the-world crap. I mean, absolutely, you know, when it comes to climate changes and dealing with our use of fossil fuels and various other things, absolutely fix these things. Make the world a better place now. Cut the crap with pretending there aren't problems here and work on resolving them. But that fatalistic, well, why bother because it's all going to come to an end and, you know, Jesus is going to come back and judge us and, oh, man, what a load of, of garbage to be peddling, because it is not the case. This is an endless predictions of all these things happening. I mean, how many of us, I'm sure all of my listeners are old enough to remember the crap that went down in the late 90s, 99 toward 2000, about how how everything was going to come to a screeching halt and an end even then with the, uh, I can't think of what they were calling it at the time, um, uh, you know, the shift into the 2000s was going to be potentially the end of the world. And, you know, there's an endless period of, of uh, predictions on when this is all going to come crashing down. And uh, it's, you know, people have been doing this type of garbage for, for thousands of years. So, you know, even if it was going to be, quote-unquote, coming to an end, you know, 
then then that you'll deal with that when that comes. You know what I mean? I'd rather leave this world with a smile on my face and having a good cup of coffee or having good sex or playing a, smoking a cigar at a casino and, and gambling and having a good time or, or snuggling up with my cat for a nap when the world comes to an end rather than worrying about it in that sense. So I think that it's a very, very weird type of a logic that really comes into play. And a lot of people, I think, are focused on this type of doom and gloom scenario because they have difficulties and they can't see a way out. Let me throw the call-in number. Uh, I don't see, uh, this is a slow morning. Usually I have people in my chat room. There's no one in my chat room. So if anyone's listening live, that number is 646-200-3966. You know, it's different every time I have a show. Uh, Sometimes i got a lot of people calling in and bobbing around, and other times it's quiet. You know, the good thing is I always say, tell people that uh, my shows are all archived, so you know, I just will talk anyway about this subject at hand. So some people uh, who can't catch a show when it's live because of the work hours or various other factors, you always can catch uh, it on the, in the archives, you know, especially if you miss the beginning or something you want to check out. Um, the archives also go to iTunes, uh, and you can get the show at the podcast and look up my name and, and Snake Oil and, um, and Blog Talk Radio there. So, okay, back to the subject at hand. Um did I give that I leave the number six four six two hundred three nine six six again if anyone's listening live and wants to call in so yeah we we get caught up in this uh, in all these things going on around us, and people um are are fearful, so you know they want to dive into the end of the world fantasy in that sense. truth of it is you know my suggestion take a different approach, guys and girls, you know um make yourself create a good life for yourself, be willing to do this. And, you know, it's a misperception to think that we came here to suffering, to suffer. That God, you know, put us here, all it is, spirit, the Tao, whatever your terminology for the greater force that exists, put us here so that we can struggle. Really, I mean, if you stand back and even, again, think about this, someone, you know, if our greater being was that um, that much of a, you know, an ass in that sense, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, you're believing in the wrong deity there in that sense. You know, this is not what God is about. Does suffering exist? Do people go through pain and difficulty? Absolutely. It does exist in this world. But it is um, one element of many experiences that we have. And suffering can be a good thing in that it will often act as a trigger for us to grow and evolve and helps us tap into compassion for ourselves and the world and the people around us. But if we live in constant suffering, really that's actually just martyrdom. That's just um, you know where you're getting hooked on the suffering and you're wanting to continually recreate it. And, you know, no, there's no greater being or God that wants us to suffer and, and, and struggle. So, the, you know, the really in essence these are self-created things. Even um, the whole idea of karma as, you know, as a payback system where you're punished for previous sins is absolutely ludicrous. That is not what karma is. Does karma exist? Absolutely. But is it um, a system of punishment? Absolutely not. It's simply an experience of duality. If you have one experience, you'll often come back in another lifetime and have a, a, the experience it from the other side. 
purely experientially. In other words, to learn and to grow. So if you are, you know, in the more extreme case, uh, if you, you know, karmically, if you, some lifetime you get so angry at someone that you wound them or kill them, that person may, in another lifetime, get so angry at you that they wound and kill you. Now, is it that literal? Not necessarily. It may very well be. But again, that is not a system of punishment. That's a system of experience. It's very different to feel a level of anger that wants, that makes you want to kill someone and very different experience to be the one who's killed. So in the more extreme examples that way, um, yeah, that's what karma is about. Um, you know, in, in, in for a more common context, you know, I mean, if you have a lifetime where you're poor, you will then want to choose to experience a lifetime where you're wealthy. So again, it's not a system of reward. It's a system of balance and harmony in that sense. So we learn and we grow. You know, one area in life that you could tell, you know, you could tell if you've karmically moved through something already is when you've reached a certain level of neutrality about it. You know, and I, I certainly, I, when it comes to killing, that's one of the perceptions that I have. I personally think that killing is truly never justified, you know, when it comes to another human being, even in self-defense. Um, I think because you have to recognize that some part of you brought that attack to you at that level. So I'm not suggesting that one doesn't defend oneself when one is attacked, but what I am suggesting is looking at your own belief systems and not having that level of anger attached to your energy field in the first place so that you bring an attack to you. Now, again, this, if you're not understanding metaphysics, you can get angry and say, oh, my God, I was, I was raped or I was robbed. Are you telling me that I brought that to me? <sighs> Unfortunately, yes, but not, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you should be punished or any of those other things. Again, these are these contexts that we connect in our minds that have nothing to do with the experience. For instance, you know, I didn't write about this in the piece, but when you have a car accident, when somebody hits you, it's, you know, there's multiple reasons for having a car accident. At physical levels, at psychological levels, emotional levels, they're all interconnected, by the way. But I can tell you in all sincerity that there is a connective energy pattern to getting hit in a car accident that does connect with being angry, so angry that a part of you would like to hit somebody. Now, I had a car accident recently, and I can tell you, in all honesty, I was, uh, I was having a few months of flirtation with someone at my gym, and then we started talking, and uh, it never really went anywhere, and then on top of it, he absolutely shut me down. He, he just, out of the blue, stopped speaking to me, wouldn't return my phone calls, no explanation. I'm not really sure what I necessarily did, but, you know, the evolved part of me kind of thought, well... He's got emotional, psychological problems. I don't know what's necessarily going on. I'm sure it's not personal. I'll leave it alone. But another part of me was kind of angry. In fact, I had even seen him the, you know, the morning before, the, the day before I had had this accident, and he wouldn't even make eye contact with me. Someone I talked to a number of times. And I didn't understand it, and a part of me was angry. And I was trying to, to, to channel that and move that up so that I, I could let that go, but the human part of me was angry. So when I had that car accident, a little part of me thought to myself, you know, I got hit because a part of me wanted to hit and strike at, at feeling, you know, angry of, of being, you know, uh, mistreated that way by another human being. But it was a very minor car accident in that I wasn't hurt and I wasn't really, really, um, 
you know, mangled in any way. It really wasn't hurt. That's what was what was amazing. But I think it's because I wasn't really that angry. And I wrote about um, uh, a car accident in my first book. There's a car. There's a piece in my book, <laughs> in Dirty Little Secrets, called Valentine's Day Massacre, which is uh, one of my favorite pieces. And back in 2002, I had a major car accident where I was hit at like 65 miles an hour from behind and uh, ended up in the hospital. Uh, thankfully, I wasn't, well, I was hurt, but I mean, I didn't, I was out of the hospital. I was able to recover reasonably well. But um, honestly, that accident was, I was furious. It was on Valentine's Day. I had gone through a similar situation like I just went through with someone that I was becoming very intimate with who just shut me out and would have no contact, would not talk to me, and, and I mean, just got completely furious with me. And I'm not sure exactly what it was that I did. And at that time, when I got hit in that car accident, it, you know, you have to laugh because it was on Valentine's Day. And it was someone that I was in love with who treated me that way. So uh, I was really pretty angry when I was heading out to go to a friend's house that day, and I was hit in a car accident. So I use myself as an, as an example here for a very purposeful reason. And anyone who's ever worked with me knows um, that I do tell stories about my own life when I have sessions with people that interconnect with them. And I'm very honest and I'm very, 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 very forthright in, uh, in what, I, what I talk about, about my own experiences. I, I don't really get caught up in the shame thing so much. In fact, it's something I like to teach my clients. Did I create those car accidents? Absolutely. Am I a bad or terrible person for creating those car, car accidents? Absolutely not. You learn and you grow. And it's, you know, I thought about this after I had this car accident and I thought to myself, you know, I ended up always getting a new car out of it. I thought in the future, I think the better bet is the next time I need a new car, I'll trade in my old one for a car. I think I'll stop creating accidents to um, get me a new car <laughs> so I can look at it with, with that level of humor. But, uh, you know, the truth of it is, um, yes, the, all, all events are interconnected this way and we do create our experiences and our reality. So knowing that, if we can get in touch with our thoughts and our beliefs about life and, you know, I mean, I, I, we, can, we can shift our reality and create more harmonious, more beneficial, more joyful experiences. And this is something that, I'm, again, I'm, I'm tapping into and it's amazing because I certainly am a lot happier. Uh, again, I'm feeling really optimistic and positive about where life is going and even with the credit card things, I'm honestly, I'm not really concerned. Either the money's going to come from me to pay these things off, or I'm not going to pay them anymore. You know, I mean, it's as simple as that. There are solutions to this that uh, are, you know, realities if necessary, but I'm not going to struggle. Uh, and that's the whole idea, is letting go of the struggle. You know, even when I had the car accident, it was a great example, because, you know, believe me, not a pleasant experience. But... When that little internal voice said everything's going to work out well and you'll benefit, you know, a part of me believed it, a part of me thought, oh, this is such BS. But you know what? I decided to go with it, and lo and behold, i got to tell you, it was really wild to, have, um, to be treated so well along the way. I mean, literally, the, uh, from the Toyota dealership to the Enterprise Rent-A-Car to both insurance companies to friends and family willing to help me out, you know, it was really an amazing experience because um, it was such everything just flowed so harmoniously. Um, from and I, I got, I remembered what that feels like. And I here's my challenge to all of my listeners and all of my readers: get back, look at, start looking at your life again, and look at 
where you've had ease. I'm telling you, no matter what you think, you've had times when things came easy to you or, or flowed effortlessly or something fell in your lap or you won something. Or Go back and start to re-feel and experience those things again. Go back into that. Rehash and begin to look at even make a list of it, of how many times you can remember lucking out. Because what will happen, here's my little trick here, what will happen is the more you begin to focus on those things, the more you will begin to create more of those type of things for your future and your present. In a very similar way, some years ago, I remember Oprah Winfrey started suggesting that people do a gratitude journal. I think this had to do with a, a particular person that she had on air who had suggested this as well. But the idea of the gratitude journal was that, you know, I think in the morning or at night you were to write down five things that you were grateful for. And uh, what it, there's a trick to this, and I'll tell you, it's because when you are becoming conscious of what you're grateful for in that sense, inevitably this taps you into that flow and that harmony, and then you'll start to create more things to be grateful for. And I'm telling you, it's purely experiential. In other words, you can talk about it in theory or you can actually do it. So, um, yeah, the gratitude uh, journal thing is really an amazing thing to do. Uh, i got a caller here, even though we've only got like three minutes, and I'm going to take the call. Hi, 610, you're on the air. Hi, Jim. Hey, um, you know, I just have to tell you real quick that the show's going to end in about three minutes. So uh, I see that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just called in. I guess it said uh, about mini readings, so I don't know if it's too short. It says five minute mini reading. Can it be a three minute? <laughs> yeah, it's going to have to be a three one. So ask me a question real fast, and we'll end with that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, is there anything I can know about how the situation with my marriage is going? It's just so many ups and downs. So I don't know what ups and downs in the marriage. You know what? I kind of had to tell you that um, I have I I kind of got good news that I'm picking up about this. Strangely enough, because I know that you've been struggling a lot, and it feels to me like there's something about to happen that you're about to get. Like there's something about it's almost like it's it's not that you're even changing your spouse. There's something getting ready to shift internally with you that's going to make it clear one to not react so much to the crap that you've been dealing with in other words it's like a shift in focus that's getting ready to happen and i have to i have to tell you that i have a very strong feeling that i'm not completely convinced you're going to stay in the marriage how long you've been married 30 years well 30 years what's that yeah so I have a feeling, I, I'm not sure that, it just feels to me like you're about to go into a different territory with it. In other words, in the way you perceive it and the way you, you, the way you feel about it. So that change internally seems to create a little shift in the marriage itself and where things go from here. I mean, are you still in love? Well, that's a tough question to answer, isn't it? I mean, all older marriages need revitalization. and right. He just really hasn't been willing to do it. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's not been able to, or willing. Yeah, yeah. Although, we, you know, we did go to two marriage workshops, and he gets excited during the workshop, but then it's like he has a door inside that, no, I decided it's over, and he shuts it again. And... Right, right, absolutely. And that's because here's what I'm kind of feeling here. 
this is what I feel like. I, I feel like I feel like you keep trying to repair this. Yeah. And what I'm what I have to tell you is you. It's like you're going to get this recognition that you've never really necessarily done anything wrong. Right. In other words, that you you'll stop trying to repair it. And I know that sounds like an odd suggestion, but I'm telling you, it's going to feel like you've taken 52 bricks off your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what's going on. It, you've, it's, you, you've something in you learned early on to take too much responsibility. Yeah. And the truth of it is, the area where he shut down, it's not even about you. It's about him and what he'll allow in terms of intimacy. And so there's something that shifts that way internally for you. And what your guides are telling me is there's a whole other path in front of you, a whole other path they're going to take you on. And 2010 is much better. It's going to be challenging because I feel there are shifts and changes that are potentially coming up, but it's going to feel a lot lighter in that sense. But I am kind of getting, I don't feel like he's necessarily breaking through that barrier. He's it's an intimacy issue for him. He's that? not going to be able to learn what he needs to learn then? No. And I think that that's where that decision comes in uh, from you. Uh, hold on one second. Stay on the line. Uh, folks, where the show's coming to an end, you can catch us on Archive. I'll be back here again next month, uh, so so check us out that way. Um, we're still streaming, so I'm going to take a couple more minutes with you here. Uh, it's just that it's not on air. Okay, you still there? Yep, I'm oh. here. Uh-huh. Okay, yep. I want to make sure you're still there. <laughs> so sometimes people hang yeah. up because they get it done. Um, anyway, so that said, um, yeah, it feels like that – Whatever the block is with him in that sense is that I'm, I'm being honest with you. I don't feel like that's necessarily going to move, but you are. And there's something about you letting go of the need to repair it and then looking at you being happy again. And this is what this boils down to. It's, and I literally want you to do this. I want you to, to – this is your mantra. I am going to be happy. And period, I'm going to live a happy life no matter what. I'm going to have intimacy. I'm going to have love and joy. I'm going to feel that in my life every day. And that change internally will either shift him or you will make the decision to go away. <laughs> okay. And have it anyway. That gives me that's something what to do anyway. Changed. That's good. <laughs> What's that? That gives me something to do anyway. That's good. It really does. And I'm telling you, just that shift alone, you'll understand what I mean. Just try this for the next couple of days. Say, you know what? I'm just going to be happy. I don't give a crap anymore in that sense. I am not going to keep trying to chip away at this iceberg. Yeah. And yeah, I, did, he, yeah, I started to feel that happening Friday night, yeah. Yeah. See, it's beginning to happen. You know, your, your guides are taking you in, into a new perspective. But you were taught that... You are, I, I feel like you're um, a very, very devoted person and very, very perseverant in your nature. Like you just keep, you're the choo-choo train that can stay on the track. Yeah. But you're also the choo-choo train that doesn't know how to get off the track. So there's a duality to it in that sense. When's your birthday? July 26th. July 26th. Oh, so there's a little Leo cockiness. Well, Leo is fixed, so they tend to kind of stick to things in their own way in that sense. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it feels to me like there's just kind of this new awakening that's coming up about uh, being happy and having fun. You know, it's like there's something about you being taught to some extent also that there is a certain amount of suffering or difficulty that is good. And I don't agree. It's not a value. The, the part of your husband that's closed down, 
is like it's a definite intimacy issue. And I think you saw it for a long time. It's just that yeah. now it's gotten progressively worse. Right. And he's stubborn. Right. So but he, you know, he had like a, an emotional affair over the summer. That right. You know, so is he really able to open up? But just not with me. That's kind of what he's thinking. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and he had an emotional affair, right? Not a physical one. As far as I know, yeah. And how did you? Yeah, I'm not feeling it necessarily going that far. Um, but it's still, I mean, how do you feel about the fact that he did that? Well, it, it went pretty far. I mean, she was yeah. promising to leave her husband. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, see, the, the, the thing that I'm, I'm kind of getting here is, you know, really, what's your name, by the way? Eileen. Eileen. Eileen, what, what is it that you, what do you fear? Oh, I fear? What do you fear here? What's your biggest fear? Well... I had wanted the marriage to continue and both of us to grow and if right. we have where it is, it really wasn't before. I mean, we we have four teenagers and we just right. put the nose to the grindstone and, and worked through this, all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like waiting for the fun, waiting, 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 but we didn't get to it. <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your Leo should be, you should be having fun. Yeah, he's a Leo, too, July 25th. Oh, no, that, I, my sister and her husband are both Leos, and they're married, too. You know, so here's the thing that I'm, I'm kind of, um, that, that again, that I'm kind of picking up here in that sense. It's, and that's why I want you to shift your focus to you're going to have fun and you're going to have a good, joyful life, period. And once that decision's made in that sense, then you'll be able to move in a, in a different direction. Don't be afraid of where it takes you. Oh. Don't be afraid of where it takes you. Because I know you you want to hang on to the marriage, and I'm not suggesting necessarily that you don't, because it isn't decided yet which way it's going to go. Oh, okay. But the decision has to be made internally for you to say, no, it's going to be joyful or it's not. You know, him, his his affair that he had was, it, it showed that he's capable of um, getting into, you know, allowing some emotional energy to open up. But I mean, when you, what kind of this? You can go deep in this. What kind of what kind of relationship did you have with your mom and dad? Uh, I was one oldest of six, so they were, you know, dad was remote, mother was busy, 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 right? Popping, cleaning, feeding. Yeah, because that's kind of what I feel like is falling away. You have you know, it's typical of the oldest in the family too, a lot of times, to be the responsible one. And I feel like you, that's what you've done here. You were, you've been completely responsible. You raised good kids. You stuck to your marriage. You stuck by your spouse, all of those things. And you did good. Pat yourself on the back, okay? Give yourself a physical pat on the back. You did yeah. good. But something's changed. And what's changed is you need more. You need intimacy. You need love. You need that emotional connection in that sense. And allow yourself the ability to open up to deserving that. And then see if your husband delivers it. But if he cannot, then you'll get it somewhere else. I know that's scary, but don't be scared. There's nothing to be scared of. You're being guided. This feels like a challenge, but you're really being guided. The truth of it is you just... You know, to see him show emotional energy to someone else, uh, it threw you for a loop. 
you know, are you still um, are you still sad about it? Well, um, yeah, I guess so. Because, well, I I know he doesn't really know her. I know he's like it's his image of her. Right. Um, and that's what psychic after psychic. When I first found out, actually, they were the ones that clued me and she even existed. Right. That was even going on. Right. And um, and psychic after psychic says he has no idea who she really is. Right. And and I knew that because I know her. I've known her for ten years right. now. So uh, yeah, I knew that she would never leave her husband. I knew she was playing with him. She does that with guys a lot. But right. in any case, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess the fact that, you know, after 30 years, he would, could just do that so easily. And he was really awful to me about it without even telling me. The first three weeks, we went to all sorts of uh, counselors, and, you know, he was swearing up and down. The counselor would be looking at him like, you know, none of this is making sense. Are you sure there's not another one? No, 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 no. <laughs> right, right. He was BS. Yeah. And he was just, like, viciously mean and angry towards me. And like you say now, that's what he thought he had to be to get to break up and stuff. But, yeah. Of you know, course. I just feel like yeah. that's a way to deal with someone. <laughs> well, yeah. and but it's also if you think about this, where this comes from, when someone is really, if someone treats you shitty, it's because they're angry with themselves. Well, he was he's, because he just moved back from Europe and he thought he would get a great job and right, he has a good job, but he just wanted better and right. he feels disappointed in himself and the house we have and compared to his brother's house. And, right. Yeah, he feels really shitty about himself right now. Absolutely. So that's why he can strike an attack in that sense. So that's what has to that's what has to shift for you um is the you know one not really letting yourself be the target and I think that his it's almost like his lack of emotional intimacy towards you I I have to tell you the feeling I'm getting is he does see you as very strong. Yeah. Really strong. And it's almost like there's a resentment for it at some levels as opposed to no, appreciation I was- of it. I was picking up some sort of little glint in his eye yesterday and today. It's like something about him is happy when he sees me sad or miserable. Right, exactly. There's, there's something deeper going on here about punishing you in some respect. And that's why I'm telling you, all you have to do, and believe me, it's simpler than you would know, is all you have to do is to let go of that pattern, to say, okay, I'm not interested in that. I'm not going to feel shitty. I'm not going to feel guilty responsible anymore i'm i'm not going to um hide the way that i feel i'm going to make a decision to walk a happy path period regardless of even if it scares me with where i get directed but i'm telling you that shift will start some new energy flowing it it kind of already has started yeah you're already there i mean i'm telling you uh, you just talked to me for me to give you a little further shove you did. Thank you. Over the edge, because that's what's going. It's you. You couldn't go back if you tried. And I'm telling you, it's. I see a very, very bright um, future ahead because th- what I'm picking up, and I'm going to give you a little bit of psychic expression, and I'm going to run. But I feel like what I see happening is I don't see the marriage ending right now. I feel like it seems to me that I'm not suggesting that you have an affair by any means. I don't think it's in you anyway. <laughs> But what I'm picking up is I feel like there's some contact with someone who is um, rec- represents someone who's open and loving and giving, that you connect with this somehow in a way that opens up another doorway and viewpoint for you. And when you see it, um, it's going to shift it completely about what you want. 
because uh, I'm not sure whether this person's even available. You know what I mean? It, it could just be like the type of thing where you're just talking to someone's friend's husband, and you're like, oh, my God, I want to take him home with me. <laughs> I want to put him in a box, and I want to take this. This is what I want. But there's something that I see happening very soon that will do that, and it is going to be so cathartic and shifting you to saying, no, that's what I want. I want someone that loves me. I want someone that's intimate with me. I want someone that shares their feelings and their emotions with me. And when that happens, I'm telling you, there's, it, 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 there's no going back. You will move forward. And either that's going to propel you to say, okay, I'm done with this. It's time for me to go to a new place in my life, literally. Or it's going to be the shift and the catalyst to shift your husband. Right. But either way, the shift has to come through you. Wow. Responsibility <laughs> is back on me. <laughs> it goes back, absolutely. But see, but it's good responsibility. Right. I'm creating Because you don't, right, this one you really, right, you, your, your responsibility had a little twinge of kind of service martyrdom to it. Yeah. And this isn't about that. This is about, like I said, saying, you know what, I'm old enough to say, screw taking um, responsibility for everyone else and everything. I want to take responsibility for my own happiness. Right, right. And it's developing that 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 cockiness to say right. that's I, what I'm going to have. I have noticed in the last four months, there's only been three times where I kind of reached an end point. I go, this is it. It's got to be over. He's got to move yeah. out. And when I reach that point, he suddenly starts changing, agrees to go Absolutely. to therapy, agrees to agrees to do things he didn't agree to before. Yep, that's exactly it. It's the shifting is in, internal, and then it reflects outward, you know, because, you know, it, it will. There's big changes ahead in that sense, and I like it. I feel like you're going to be, you're, you're going to do fine. And all Never changes, we go. Well, thank you. This has been so helpful. Thank you. <laughs> good. I'm glad you called. And, uh, yeah, can you always you know, feel free to check in and call again if you want, or you can email me if you want to get my, uh, my monthly column. Uh, it's certainly uh, uh, usually pretty eye-opening for people. <laughs> Yeah, Alrighty. a monthly column, what, like uh, astrology or? What's that? Uh, what is it, astrology or are you just like, um, like uh, just a topic you write on kind of thing? Yeah, I just choose a topic okay. each month and I write on it. And, you know, most of my readers, I've got about seven, 800 people on my email list and they, they say it's always so trippy how I always yeah. seem to talk about the subject. Yeah, how do I get on that email list? Yeah, so just email me at uh, Ventura, my last name, S is in Sam, A is in Apple, G is in Guy, at yahoo.com. And I'll just add you right to it. It doesn't cost anything, and I don't ever give your email address to share it with anyone. And I never give, I never, you won't get any crap from me. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry, I think that. Uh, that was uh, Ventura Sam G. Sag. For Sagittarius. S is in Sam, A is in Apple, G is in Guy. Okay, at yahoo.com. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you very awesome. much. Good talking with you. All right. You have a great bye -bye. day. Bye bye.